It's time for the Video Marketing Value Podcast from Hey.com. This is the podcast where we help marketers and business owners just like you get more value from your video marketing efforts. My name is Dane Golden, and today we have a special guest, Kent Nichols from Kent. Nichols Productions. Welcome, Kent. Hey, Dane. How's it going? It's going great. Of course it's going great. Of course. (laughs) And I asked you on today to talk about the five steps for more effective YouTube videos for business. These are your five steps. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Okay. Now, but first, do you want to give me a little bit of your bio for our listeners? Because you have had such a a fascinating career track and you've, you've been present at each of the fulcrum points of this industry. And I think that that just gives people some context as to where you're coming from. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, 20 years ago now I dropped out of college (laughs) and, uh, I started, uh, in the LA comedy scene and I was really excited to kind of learn that. And, you know, it really appealed to me to learn how to be kind of a, a writer director type. And, you know, back then it was the only way to do that was to go through the movies. And, you know, so you had these sort of very established ways to do that. But around uh, 2000, there was a site called ifilm.com and you could get your movies onto the internet and uh, you couldn't do that by uploading. You had to put it onto a DVD and you had to mail it to them and then they would upload it. And so I was, I'm sorry, what's mail? What is that? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Like, like literally drop it in actual mail. And, and so, uh, I was in a comedy writing class and I convinced all of my cohorts to, uh, start making shorts for the internet to do this sort of thing. And they were super excited, but they had no idea what that meant and like how to do it. (laughs) And so I had an iMac and I had a digital camcorder and I taught myself how to do some audio with like Radio Shack level microphones and and whatnot. And we just started making shorts. And like, so every weekend we would go out and we would shoot two or three shorts a week. And, uh, and since I had a lot of the equipment, I, I was editing and shooting a lot of it. And, um, you know, it was a great, um, learning ground. And I did some, you know, longer, more complex short films. I got into a couple of film festivals, and then, um, you know, a few years after that, I started doing, um, I did the, like the first LA 48 hour film project in Los Angeles. And I immediately knew that like, like how to make a short that could be successful at this, like after participating in, in one year, just on a team. So the next year we created a, we, we participated in the 48 film festival the next year, but I was producer and director that year. And so I, I just came at it with a strong perspective on like how to create a film that would do really well there. And so, um, you know, I just had a couple ground rules of like the genre was really important and, and incorporating things that delight the audience was really important. And so through that process, we created a, sh- a film called Baggage. Baggage won, like I believe, best writing and um, the best film of Los Angeles that year and then went on to win the entire international competition. Right. And, um, and so that was like a really, and it was all getting thing. started then it was all just things are starting to happen. That's right. And so, um, so when I was there, I met, a, I met the founders um, when I was there receiving my award at South by Southwest that year in 2004, I made it a goal to meet the founders of 
a show called um, uh, Red versus Blue, the the right. company of Rooster Teeth, and so um, through that like introduction, I was able to get them their first Hollywood agent, and I was also sort of able to get an idea of what the business model for online video series was in a way that most people would not understand for the next like five or 10 years. Right. 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 And so I was like, Oh, this is the thing. That's the future. Like it's not going to a film festival. It's going to direct to audiences and finding audiences there. And so, um, you know, my primary, the primary writer on baggage was Douglas Sarine. And so with Doug and I, we became writing partners and we just kept trying to figure out what to do. Um, and so we came up with, um, a thing about ninjas living in orange County. And instead of trying to kill people, they wanted to be normal people. (laughs) And, And we actually sold that pitch to rooster teeth, but like, because we were inexperienced and we didn't understand about animation, it was too expensive to produce. We couldn't do it. We couldn't get it off the ground. Um, but we decided that we could pluck this universe that we'd spent a year writing, um, and put a ninja in front of my wall in my apartment and shoot every week. And that's what two people could do every week. And so that's what we started doing. We started answering the world's questions from a Gmail account. And then we threw up a dot com. And then that week the dot com went live. We got featured on the iTunes store and, um, mm-hmm. you know, everything yeah, ex- kind of snowballed. Ex- explain. So it was called ask a ninja. That's right. And, and explain to people how it was distributed because just saying it was on iTunes, I don't think is enough. Well, so we were, we were an early podcast. And so podcast back then meant it was any sort of file that could be distributed over an RSS feed. It was video too. It could be video as well. And so iTunes accepts video files. So we just did videos, short three minute videos because YouTube was still very early days as well. And, you know, there was no clear path. And so, so we put on YouTube and we also put it on iTunes, on iTunes via podcasting. And so, you know, we, um, we were, we shot up in popularity. We became like a top five channel, top one channel on iTunes podcasting for, for a long, you know, 18 month stretch. Um, we, we had some traction on YouTube, but YouTube was not monetizing us. And we, you know, we had kind of had a love hate relationship with them. And mm-hmm. so like we experimented with other platforms that have gone by the wayside, like rubber and, um, and other ones where we were just kind of selling our own advertising. And the, and the, and the principle of the show was what, what was the, the premise? It was, I mean, you, you said the premise, but how was it carried out? It literally was just the the whole conceit was this is the first time a real ninja is addressing the world. Everything uh-huh. that you know about ninjas is wrong. And this is the definitive source. And so, you know, our whole perspective was the character did not was not the best ninja and was not the worst ninja. But he was a ninja that's <laughs> pretty good. And he's been around for a while and he's and he's heard lots of stories. and He's done lots of things. And so. I- and we are going to get to showing people how to uh, do, make better videos. But I think that this background is very, very interesting because then later on, you went to another company that became pretty well known. I mean, we went to a couple of, of other companies. So tell me about that. 
Yeah. So from there, you know, we, uh, you know, we learned a lot of lessons, you know, being on the creator side. And then I went into creator management on with blip that was eventually acquired by maker, which was acquired by Disney. And through there, I worked with a lot of uh, top gaming talents like Markiplier, uh, PewDiePie in some periphery and, uh, you know, and Captain Sparkles and, and others where, you know, you got to see um, the other side of the coin of, you know, where and you can kind of coach people through that sort of process where people are just trying to throw money at you and you're not necessarily interested mm-hmm. in all of that. And yet and yet you've also seen things just, you know, with total production chops as well, right? Right. Well, you know, and like you, you understand from a creator's perspective, like people are trying to get you to change things and do things. And like, you know, part of the, the mythos around being a creator is you don't fully understand exactly what's going on. Right. You know, like you you don't know why, if it's you as an editor, that's the magic secret sauce, or if your cruddy camera work is the secret sauce. And so you're always reticent to change anything because you don't really understand the full methodology of why you've been plucked by the gods to, um, (laughs) to become this thing. And then generally most every creator that I've worked with, with few exceptions, every creator that has been doing it long enough to make it a sustainable business for themselves, they generally feel completely trapped by, um, the production schedule by, you, you know, everything that they have to do to maintain it's, where they're it's at. It's an enormous, it takes an enormous amount of time. Even if you start outsourcing bits and pieces to other people, which is important, it still is, it's a grind. It's, um, it's, a, people don't realize how much work it is. Absolutely. And so, you know, and, and so it it really becomes a job and like some of the hardest working people that I've ever been around have been like those gaming creators where they were putting out two or three videos a day. And, you know, there's like, I can't do this, you know, like we would have to turn down like movie offers um, (laughs) because they were like, I I don't have time to do like, I can't sit around for two weeks, like doing that. And, and we work with, you might call them business creators because we work with businesses that have started offline and want to use YouTube to help, help people, um, do live their lives better or do their jobs better. And in turn, by helping them do that, then they will want to work with that business because that business has provided value and knowledge for them. So what are some of these, what are some of these steps that might help some of these businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think, I think when you, when you're dealing with YouTube from a small business, um, you know, like my, my, my most recent post was at a company called StockX, where we would, you know, kind of use content as a way to, um, engender good feelings to, towards the brand. Like you're, you're giving out real information that, that true fans are going to really enjoy. And I think mm-hmm. for, for most businesses, that's where you, the sweet spot where you want to be. You don't want to be in that place where you're putting out a pure advertisement. You, you want to be putting out, um, information that is lovable, that makes you lovable, that is embraceable and that, that people after they watch it, like, you know, can feel like they, they've gotten something out of it and, and not just Great. like, Oh, that was really slick, you know? And so, 
So uh, I've been coming up with like, you know, a, a lot of tools that businesses can use to kind of help organize their thoughts around it. Because I think a lot of people are a little diffuse. They know they want to do video. They know that video is an important thing for them. Um, they know that it is a very powerful tool. But, you know, it's they don't want to they don't actually want to access that power because it's too intimidating. And so and it and it and, it, and even even that it takes it takes time it takes more time than tweeting yes absolutely <laughs> but like but like you know because because it is so powerful like you know though it may take a little while with momentum to build um you know it, you're gonna have a much stronger bond um if you keep doing it consistently much higher value and that's why we call this the video marketing value podcast um, <laughs> so, so, so let's get into You're that. just going to let that hang there. Going to let that hang there. Let's fine. move. Fine. Let's move on to the steps. <laughs> so, so, so the basic steps, like, so I, I've got a, I've got a quick five minute video on this. This is sort of the, the super in depth um, thing, you know, just because I know your audience would is going to geek out on it. Okay. Uh, but, you know, step one is that script writing and pre-production. You know, you if you don't have a message, if you don't have a plan of attack, if you don't know what you're going to say, even if it's just sort of collecting your thoughts and like say, like, I want to go to here, to here, to here. Like, if you don't take that thought, like, before you're shooting it, you're, you're going to spend that time while you're shooting trying to make it coherent. And, and that's not going to really come across as something well organized um, for yourself or for your audience. And so, right. so really, really step one is just writing, right? You know, and that writing, like I, I, I like to stress, it doesn't have to be in screenplay format. It doesn't have to be in any sort of format. It just needs to be a place for you to collect your thoughts. And, and like, and those thoughts, like I would, I tr really strongly advise people to not make those thoughts into paragraphs and sentences, because the more you do that, the more you write it out, like the more you're going to be angry at yourself, um, <laughs> because you didn't say that sentence correct. Right. I and, have made that mistake multiple times. I learned my lesson. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's so true. Like, you know, and so unless you're a super trained performer and some of you are like, you know, and maybe ignore this rule, but like, but in general, like, um, most of us are not super trained acting professionals, you know, um, or, and you're not reading from a teleprompter. Um, and, and, you know, like, so, so if you don't have that, those resources available to you, um, do not focus on sentences, focuses on focus on ideas and the structure and the overlying, you know, the overarching message that you want people to take away and like their, their call of attack, the, the call to action, all that sort of stuff, you know? Um, so, so really just focus on that, like say it out loud to yourself a few different times, like, but don't really stay away from getting too wedded to specific sentences and grammar, but more into like how everything kind of flows together. Um, so that's step one is, um, script writing. Uh, step two is just, uh, you know, pre-production and planning. So now you have a script, if you're communicating with anyone else, like you really need to, um, you know, like now you have this plan, you need to kind of actuate this plan of attack. Like, where are you going to shoot this? Like, is your idea for B-roll and B-roll is anything where you're not talking and the B-roll is sort of the key 
like what are the ideas for the B-roll shots? Like you want to you want to illustrate the things that you're talking about. Um, you know, when we were when you and I were talking about this and like, you know, right. just some of your own videos, you know, I just suggested you do do more B-roll grabbing. So it allows you right. to, to do some editing and kind of cements the whole thing together um, in in a more concrete way. And so it's, it's really just sort of like planning out that and like, you know, you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to here's the B-roll shots I'm going to get. And then like, then you need to really have a conversation with yourself about your appetite for legal risk. Right. You know, um, <laughs> what do you mean by legal uh, risk? Well, What's you know, legal? like, so it's like, you know, for, first and foremost, it's like, wherever you point your camera, do you have a license, you know, do you have permission to shoot whatever you're pointing at? And so oh, that means we, we don't, we, we don't, we, we assume entire, uh, reams of legal risk. I shot videos walking around, uh, VidCon and I didn't ask anyone for their rights to show them in my video. Absolutely. And, and, and like, but like you as a business owner, um, should at least be aware that you're making that calculation. Mm -hmm. If, if you're the marketing intern listening to this podcast saying like, I need to do more videos, you, you need to at least have that conversation with your boss of just like, like we're getting verbal permission from these people, or, you know, we got a signed legal release from everyone who's speaking in this video. You know, you, you just need to come across like, and the lower down on the totem pole you are, the the more aggressive I would be worried about it because that's a good point. The, that's the really good to know. The, the the business owner, you know, is going to be like, yeah, whatever, you know, like how how likely is that to, going to happen, you know, or mm -hmm. this or that, and like, and if you're a small business, it's very unlikely, right? And you know, and, and people if people are aware that you're recording. They're, they're either going to be cool with that while you're doing it or they're not, you know, and a lot of the times in run and gun situations, I'll have people just verbally say, is it okay that we film with you right now? You know, like, and, and at least have like that fig leaf of, they knew that I was recording that, you know, I got verbal permission before we started. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that sort of thing. Um, right. And then, what else? What else? And, yeah. And then, you know, then, then it comes down to like, there's current legal ramifications. Like Mercedes Benz is being sued for showing a glimpse of a mural um, here in right. Detroit, right. you know? And so it's like, it's those sorts of, you know, and where, where you are, the statue of Portlandia, the artist is very notorious for being vehement about uh, folks using oh. that statue in commercial works. And oh. so, so like, and, and like, you know, that cool poster that you're shoot, shooting in your, you know, vlogging setup or, you know, X, Y, Z. That's one of the, that's one of the least covered things in any YouTube education is, is what, you know, what are you, sh who are you showing behind you? They do have some tools that allow you to blur people. I think still yes, to blur people do. out, but our, I don't know if most people know about it. It's under the editing area. Um, after you've already edited the edit video and uploaded it, you you can make some variations. You can't insert anything, but you can remove or obscure things. That's right. And so, you know, and then like there was just a, I just read a kerfuffle about Pizza Hut using um, a TikTok meme to sell pizzas, <laughs> right? Like you, you, you just need to like 
the smaller the business you are, the less likely you're a target, like, you know, for those sorts of things. But the, 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 the 800 pound gorilla is commercial music. Um, you know, there are automated ways to detect if you're using commercial copyrighted music in all of your videos. And so like, if, if it's your vision that you're using like a Hoobastank song or whatever, like, Hoobastank is going to shut you down or at the very least take, take away all potential to monetize. I'm I'm sorry. Hoobastank has prohibited us from mentioning them on this podcast. So could you mention (laughs) a different, a different one? Uh, let Led Zeppelin, I, you know, uh, (laughs) Megan Trainer. Uh, yeah, but that's, but that's the easiest thing to, uh, track. They have their systems are, are best at tracking music. So if you use music, that's copyrighted and you don't have the rights to it, you're in big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, so that, that, that's the easiest to detect, the easiest to avoid. All the other ones are sort of like, if like, <laughs> like I would say the stickiest wicket is like, if you're using a person, a person that didn't know that they were going to be in this thing, like a, like a, a release, like I think that will get the most awkward. Yeah. And then like everything else is sort of like, you're probably not going to rise to the standard. Of- if you, this is, I wrote a blog post about this once. If you have a company party and you film that and you put that on YouTube because you want to show how great your company is, that's all well and good. However, they were playing music at that company party and they will run an ad on that on front of your company video, potentially for a a competitor because you have made your video monetized by using a copyrighted song. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's mostly about control. So like, so, so, you know, step one, write the script, step two, pre-production. And that's just like, you know, meet here at this time. We're shooting this. If you're using more than just yourself, you know, what, what are the elements going into it? You know, do you, do you need model releases for everyone that's showing up into it? Um, you know, is everything, are you legally able to use everything that you want? You know, so that's that, then you do the shoot, you know, the, the shoot is, uh, happens the the shoot typically is the quickest of all of it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. like it, it really, especially if you're doing a vlog type thing, like the, you know, you're shooting for 15, 20 minutes, like all of this other stuff you you've been thinking about and working on for, you know, hours perhaps, you know, of just like, here's, here's the angle I want to take. And depending on the type of company. Yes, absolutely. The type right. Of, type of approach. Right. And so like, you know, like, like in the film business is basically your pre-production is, you know, twice as long as your actual production, you know, and then your post-production is whatever. And so like, even if you're just thinking about that, like, you know, like just be thoughtful before, you know, the shooting itself, like having that plan is going to allow you to, to get the stuff that you need or that you thought you needed, because like, it's always going to be less perfect than your vision because it's the real world. Right. You know, and like, it's like, oh my gosh, we didn't have the time or the audio was really bad in this one location. You know, for all of that stuff, like I always stress, um, when I teach like cell phone, video or, um, shooting, um, shooting in running gun situations. It's always, it's never about finding like the perfect location and setting it to your likeness. It's finding an okay location and making the best of it. So like, so if you can find a location that's got amazing natural light and you can use that to your advantage, 
um, that also has, you know, decent sound, like meaning is quiet enough to do it, like go for it. You know, um, the stuff, the videos that I'm shooting right now, like it's an amazing conference room. That's just got this great wall of frosted windows. And so it's like, and that oh, can work great. And that can work great. Absolutely. And like, so, so it's just like, oh, that's perfect. I don't have to like bring in my lights. Like I have this giant, like this gigantic wall of soft light that's coming in. So like, I'm just shooting that and then I've got high quality audio, you know, um, it's a little What's... echoey, but, but you know, it's like the, it's, it's, uh, it's making the best of a uh, limited location, I would say. So assuming you've got a fairly good, um, source file, what happens next after you've done all your production? Well, I, I think a lot of, a lot of businesses may just post at this point. And I think that's, that's <laughs> a huge problem. Like, um, because you know, really, really at this point, even if it's only, you know, 10 minutes of footage and you want to get it down, like getting it down to a tight 90 seconds from 10 minutes is going to do so much more for your business and your messaging than, than just posting right away. And so like, you know, do, do the editing, um, uh, get, get that done. And then, um, you know, at the point that you're done editing that you think you're happy with it, like the thing that I like to encourage beginning filmmakers to do is to show the video um, with someone who likes you. So not your boss, but like, um, you know, who has, who's going to have like notes, but someone who likes you for me is often my wife um, or, you know, a friend and we'll, I'll watch it in the same room with them and like gauge their reaction. And, um, you know, I just showed a video that I'm working on to my wife last night and I could just tell, like, I, I could feel it being slower than I wanted it to be. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, it really makes you, makes you reevaluate the whole thing in real time. And so, so I would just recommend you showing your video that you're happy with to someone, to someone that's interested, but not involved in the production. So like not the actors, not anyone else. But someone that that's gonna you know take the time and watch it and and, and right. if you can watch their reaction, um, I think that's super key because you you will feel their feelings and um, and you'll want to make changes and so like so like I, I just advise you to do that and if you could do that a couple times like mm-hmm. you're gonna just learn a lot as so you're saying as a creator so you're saying edit test edit test edit test and 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 over that time you learn generally what's working and it helps you not only with that video, but also future videos. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, in the online world, like, like I also am a big proponent of getting it out there. So like, don't do that to death, do it a few times if you can, you know, and even once is, is better than none. You may wear out your welcome. Exactly. Like you, you, you you know, like, because like the next step is release and the release step is like looking at the analytics and like how people are watching it. And, you know, are there specific areas in the watch graph that people are tuning out? Like, are you losing them? Was it too long? You know, X, Y, Z, you know, like there's, there's a lot of science to those analytics, but there's still little dark arts and magic that you kind of need to understand too, because like, you know, it's really difficult to get, um, 
like a 80% watch time on a video right. that's over five minutes or something. Right. You know? Yeah. And so like holding is holding like someone that's for four minutes and a six minute video is still great, you know, or X, you know, what, what, whatever your case may be, Perfect. you know, you, you just want to see like, if you, uh, if there's a specific thing that's tr- turning them out and if you're losing them, like if there's a specific point that there's a steep drop off, you know, perfection's a noble goal, but uh, you need Absolutely. to go there incrementally. So, 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 and what you're doing with that is like that—that's the wider audience, right? You know, like that's the virtual version of showing um, your spouse or whomever the video in person. Like you, you're seeing where what's working in that in that regards. And so, you know, so you, you're never not testing, you know, and then you want to kind of take those learnings both from the in-person stuff and the online release and, you know, let that inform your next video. And let's let's go over the steps again. What are they? One to five, I guess. Uh, so writing, um, writing slash pre-production, um, the, you know, production, editing, testing and then release. I'm sorry. Could we, could you say them in what the steps were? So the it was step one writing. Yeah, it was like step one writing. Like like I like I think in my video itself, like the pre production, I like I kind of um, made that like a step one a. Like I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> so okay. Okay. It was fair six. Enough. It was six fair steps, enough. Dane. Thank, okay. Thank you, six. Thank you for thank you for holding me accountable. I just uh, hey, that's my job here at the Video Marketing Value Podcast. <laughs> you're giving you're giving marketing value. It's value. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So it. like, yes. so, so writing, you know, pre-production, your releases, you know, things like that. Copyright um, production itself, editing, um, testing, and then release. And, okay. you know, like the, the testing is basically like testing in person and then releases testing online, essentially. This is this is very valuable for our listeners, Kent. How can people find out more about you and Kent Nichols Productions? Uh, you can go to kentnichols.com. That's K-E-N-T-N-I-C-H-O-L-S.com. Um, and also um, Kent Nichols Productions on Facebook. Um, give me a like there. That'd be great. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got another couple. I've got another video like that goes a deep dive on the writing. And how you, you know, kind of want to do it for yourself. And then then if you're working with a person that's not yourself, like how to coach them through those um, areas where, you know, you want that strong structure, but loose delivery and very relatable performance. I'm I'm very glad you finally started to share these insights publicly and not just for people who are friends of yours. They're very valuable and people should check out all of your social stuff. Um, uh, so people will also be able to find this podcast episode by searching for Hey and Kent Nichols. My name is Dane Golden. I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. I do this podcast the Video Marketing Value Podcast from Hey.com and the YouTube videos because I love helping marketers and business owners just like you grow your customer community through helpful how-to videos because when you share your expertise in a way that helps your customers live their lives better or do their jobs better, you'll earn their loyalty and their trust and their business. Thanks to our special guest, Kent Nichols. (laughs) Until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through videos.